I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts, And on this episode, in 1989, a German woman vanished from her home. Now, her brother seeks to identify her killer and find her remains. We'll talk about the Netflix German import, Dig Deeper, the disappearance of Birgit Meyer. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, and yes, love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, author of Dead on Deadline, and cream puff maven, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. Yeah, I am uh, eating my way through the cream puffs of Exeter this week, and I have to say, I'm enjoying that job. Is it inspired by Monday's review of the donut shop murders? Uh, No, it's inspired by some more research for the Piper Green Exeter Mysteries because her best friend Jenny is a baker. And I need to add some more delicious treats in Jenny's Bakery, so I'm eating my way through the tasty treats of Exeter right now. Sounds like a bullshit excuse, That's good plotting. That's very (laughs) good plotting. It's totally a business expense, Kevin, every time I buy cream puff now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have that office, so you have to, you know, find your deductions. Exactly, exactly. Who's going to tell you it isn't a business expense? (laughs) Who's going to tell you that? Finally, our resident commissar of common sense, author of the City Trilogy, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. V. Gates, Rebecca. Quick question, Toby. How has the world reacted to you becoming a dog person? I have seen a lot of tweets Mm. about your incredible Clancy photos online this week. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, like having a dog nephew, I think is like sort of the right relationship for me to have with, (laughs) with any canine friend. 
um, sort of like being a grandparent. You play with them and you wind them up. And then, you know, when it's time for them to poops, you like go and watch a show or something. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like they don't eat your shoes. They don't eat your couch. <laughs> well, they do. They he took a couple bites out of one of my shoes, but that's all right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay, totally. You just know not to wear your best shoes to your sister's home, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> and apparently uh, Clancy is growing like a weed. Um, yes. So I'll put some updated photos. They grow up so fast. Toby, they you do. want to put a box of matches down low where a kid can get it. You shouldn't do the same with your shoes. You gotta, <laughs> you're done with them. You I put will them say, pie. this is the thing you learn about dogs. When they eat something, it is not their fault. It is your fucking fault. Mm. Because they have shown you who they are. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when Clancy was going after my shoe... Uh, like I don't think he, he hardly had any teeth, so it was. It was it's adorable. Not like it, 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 it's not like he actually did any damage. Um, mm, yeah, it was hilarious. It's adorable at first. <laughs> he like latches on and he does that crazy like shaking his head around thing. Like mm-hmm. that's got to be some instinct to like break something's neck or whatever. But yeah, yeah it's a yeah. kill move. It's yeah. hilarious. It's hilarious until you're the thing whose neck is being broken. <laughs> well, he's got he's got a lot of growing before that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, Buddy, my dog Buddy, he like can kill baby woodchucks with just like one shake of his head. It's very disturbing. Yeah. A few years ago, he went through like the entire family of baby woodchucks and I kept finding them on the front lawn. And I was like, and I, and then I could predict it. It was, he was a serial killer because he would, he had his MO, he'd go, and then all of a sudden, boom, and shake his head. And I'm like, oh, another one's done. Mm-hmm. That's super another one disturbing. Well, it, it was super disturbing. Yeah, many of our listeners have seen that we have one of the cutest dogs in the history of the world, Briscoe. Mm-hmm. What they don't know is that Briscoe is a family annihilator. <laughs> 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 uh, on a recent woodsy walk, Briscoe, who always stays even when we're off leash on completely abandoned trails within like twelve feet of my orbit. He's not an attack dog. He's a panic attack dog. Disappeared. No, he just disappeared, which he never does. He's always right in my orbit. He is the best, you know, on safe, where it's allowed, off-leash dog in the history of dogs. He's wonderful. Disappeared for the first time ever. Went and found him. He had the front half of his body in a hole, and I could not get him out of the hole. And he stuck his little face out, and he's chewing on something. (laughs) And I realized what he had his front of half of his body in was like a tiny little squirrel's nest. And he was like oh, eating man. a family of baby squirrels. So, yeah, he's a there family a time, annihilator. He, the time last year we found the, the dead a squirrel. Whole the frozen, oh, a whole chipmunk. A whole frozen yeah. chipmunk. And he, we watched him eat it like it was a stick of gum. There was a tail hanging out of his <laughs> mouth like Davy Crockett. Yeah. We couldn't get him. He's just staring at us like, can I have this? And like no, he a, didn't ask like if spaghetti, he could have it. He just, he just slurped it. Made us watch him oh, eat it. God, yes, Lord. Rebecca. That reminds me. People want to know how you feeling after your fall. Oh, they, we heard all about it in last week's newsletter. You yes. had a little tumble. You you hurt your hip. What was going on? Uh, well, I was walking across uh, the giant dam where I sometimes walk with my dogs, and um, Stuart, who hasn't been going off leash a lot lately because he's old. I let him off leash because it was like literally 15 below out. It was and super I was, icy, by the and way. And the yeah. only way that you can take dogs out safely when it's that cold, really, is if you take them somewhere where they can really run. So I took them somewhere where they could really run, let them off leash. And uh, he, it was time for him to come back, was so proud of himself for coming back that he decided to give me a little hug when he came back. Did so. I went down on my hip that was already injured and... I maybe couldn't get it. The thing is, you didn't know it was injured. You knew it was stiff, but you didn't know that you had tendonitis. Yeah, it turns out I have tendonitis in my uh, hip slash butt. 
It's called um, gluteus medius tendinitis. And the other name for this injury is called, you ready for it? Yeah. Dead butt syndrome. <laughs> As opposed to dat butt syndrome? Yeah. So I was also just oh, really banged wow. up. I was 100% is like, sure. Is that like dem titties? No. No. Okay. I was 100% sure I had broken my hip. I went to the orthopedist. I got an x-ray. Uh, my hip was not broken. Thank God. Because I, if I'd broken another bone, I, I think I would have died. But anyway, all is well. <laughs> Doing PT, I can still walk. Everything's fine. It's not Stuart's fault because he showed me who he is when he was a baby. <laughs> he showed me who he is. Is, is Kevin going to be massaging your butt? Yes. I have been on the hip and the <laughs> it's butt. It's quite yeah. wonderful. I actually really like that. Thank you, Kevin, yeah. for doing that. I've had my face slapped only three times. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, before we get going with what we're going to do, I just want to do one of these real quick, okay? Can you read this for me? <clears throat> You ready? Yes. True crime update. Wow, that was uh, pretty resonant. So, (laughs) as you know, uh, Kevin, my favorite sports documentary of all time is Cheer. Right. Cheer season two was out, but about nine months after Cheer season one came out, which I know all of you watched because I made you, um, Jerry Harris, who was the breakout star of Cheer season one, was arrested by the FBI for sexual abuse and child pornography. He was accused by twin teenage boys for sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And of course, for soliciting photos and a, a lot of other charges. Oh, an incident so, in the bathroom, too. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. So he was a fan favorite. He was uh, known for his Matt talk. After Cheer Season One, he went completely viral. He did Oscar red carpet stuff. He had an interview with Joe Biden. He was on Ellen. Like, he was everywhere, right? So after this arrest, obviously, it was made huge news. Everyone was shocked, myself included. It would have been really weird for the second season of Cheer to not address it. Right. So the second season of Cheer, the first few episodes are about the 2020 season prior to Harris's arrest, Mm -hmm. Jerry's arrest. And so Jerry's very much in the background of that season. And I think it was the right choice for the producers to not feature him like as if nothing had ever happened, like as if he's just a regular. That would have been strange. Mm -hmm. Um, But they did do this standalone episode about Jerry Harris his arrest and the accusations about him right in the well, middle of the season. it was substantive enough that it could absolutely right. so, know, hold up to a whole episode. I just want to talk real quick about that episode five of season two of okay. Cheer. How do you think that was handled in that standalone episode? Were you surprised? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you, the one thing that did surprise me, and it surprised me, I think, for the good, was that the two victims, these young twins, twin boys, went on camera and told their story. Yep. Because that's not usually something you see. I think sort of in general, yeah, I don't think there was any way they were not going to address it, especially when you know that sort of for season two, very much like for Tiger King season two, what happened in season one bleeds over into the reality of season two. Right. Correct. So right, the fact that we see the cheer team going on the Ellen show and like everybody getting these endorsements and doing cameos and crap like that. That's their reality. And so, yeah, Jerry, who was, you know, a, a over the top, bigger than life he character. He was a star. He was a breakout star. star, yeah. Um, you know, thought to be, you know, this ray of sunshine. You don't ever know about anybody, right? And so the fact that he was arrested on, I mean, this wasn't like a drunk driving charge. This was Serial, very, very serious. Predation yeah. charges. Yeah. yeah, especially, and look, in the world of youth sports. That's also sort of a, you know, a factor where, you know, just kind of builds on top of that, right? I mean, you think about the Larry, how many Larry Nasser documentaries and podcasts did we, and we look should, at? And we should note that the lawyer 
for the accusers, the mm-hmm. two teenage boys, is a Larry Nasser victim, yeah. former gymnast, which was very, very moving to learn that because she's talking about the victims, the serial predation within the sport. We should also note that Jerry Harris was the first of three people attached to the Navarro cheer program to be arrested on similar sex abuse charges. One of them was also featured in the first season of cheer. So I'm just curious. I was very surprised that uh, I wasn't surprised. I was happy Mm -hmm. that this episode pulled no punches on these charges. What did you think about that? Yeah, I'll agree. And I'll say that I was glad to hear from the two young victims. They spoke their truth None of us are, are probably going to end up on a jury to hear this case, but in the court of public opinion, you got to hear their side to decide for yourself. I think they make a pretty good case. And I, you know, as far as the documentary goes, you know, broke news here. It gave us the voices of the victims and the details of what went down, and it's it's pretty damning. Finally, there is a couple of sections where some of Jerry's teammates react Mm -hmm. to the news. Uh, Ladarius, his roommate and best friend in Cheer Season 1, is obviously just like, fuck that guy. Um, He was a victim of sexual abuse himself, as he revealed in Season 1 of Cheer. But then we also have other friends of Jerry's who feel like they experienced a death. And they received some criticism in the documentary for that. Well, yeah, because people feel like they can tweet to people. Look, this is something that in every podcast, every documentary that we ever do, there is a bad guy or a bad girl, and there are people around them who love them, whether it's your parents or your brothers or your best friends or coworkers. There are people that feel, and we we mostly in the, what was it, evil by design, we hear mostly from the son of Nygaard, who, right, was this serial predator. You feel ambivalent because you don't defend the actions and you feel for the victims, but it is okay in your life to feel sad or feel angry or not know how to feel because somebody that you love or trust did something really bad. It feels like a death. It does feel like a death. Yeah. And that's okay. You're not being disloyal to your friend relative, nor being dismissive of victims, their truths, when you just say, hey- That part for me, there's a part for me that is hard for me to deal with, and I'm working on it. Yeah. I'll say, I I think that the episode handled it well. I don't think it's complicated. I think that it really was very victim-focused, and um, I was surprised and really happy with the way the episode dealt with it. Okay. I would recommend that people watch it if they don't watch all of the series and they just want to watch that one episode. It is kind of a standalone, so you can just go ahead to episode five of Cheer Season 2 if you're curious. Cool. All right, why don't we go ahead and just get on to our review this evening, shall we? Let's do it. The second case in Lüneburg concerns a woman who has been missing since the 14th of August. The woman's name is Birgit Meyer. She is 1.65 meters tall, slender, and has blonde hair and green-gray eyes. In 1989, as she was preparing her divorce from her husband, Birgit Meyer vanished from her home in Lüneburg, Germany. Her brother, Wolfgang Seeloff, was a police detective in Hamburg and asked local investigators to treat her disappearance as a crime. Detectives began to focus on the neighbor's gardener, a man with a violent past and a secret room filled with instruments of torture and kidnapping. When he came into the room, it was as though the door to a freezer had been opened. He exuded something icy, something completely cold. But after Kurt Werner Wickman died in custody, the case was closed without answers to what he did and where Birgit went. 
wenn in die Familie so ein schweres Verbrechen. When your family is affected by such a serious crime, your whole world falls apart. Nothing is like it was before. Nothing ever will be again. The Netflix German import Dig Deeper. The disappearance of Birgit Meyer follows Wolfgang and a group of experts as they attempt to do what the police have refused to, name his sister's killer and find her body. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Dig Deeper, the disappearance of Birgit Meyer. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. One note, I am the host of the Netflix podcast, You Can't Make This Up. Now, this was not a documentary we covered on that show. Nevertheless, my being a host of that podcast has not influenced my review of this documentary. Now, Kevin, um, episode one of this podcast, it basically sets the table. I think I about five minutes into it, I was like, the husband did it, right? <laughs> uh, show over. But he didn't, right? Right, right. Well, look at the, like in any true crime documentary, you got to start at the beginning. And uh, this is the disappearance of Birgit Meyer. We find out all about her backstory, the day she disappeared, the people in her life, which obviously, like, you know, statistically, you got to look at the husband because they're going through a divorce. He comes off a little, I don't know. Cold. A little cold, maybe. I mean, not. A little bit like Philip and Borgen. That's what I kept comparing yeah, him to. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> again, you know, you would say, well, you know, he lost his wife or his ex-wife. soon-to-be ex-wife yep. 30 years ago, 40 years, however long it was ago. You know, how emotional do you expect him to be to prove to you, American viewer, that he is sincere? I don't know that. But it didn't really take off for me, this documentary, until we get to episode two, in which a new person comes into the frame, and that is the gardener from across the street, Mr. Vickman. Now, can I just say one little detail about the husband that I noticed? I don't know if any of you noticed it. At the very beginning, when he does his two-way... His arms are always folded. His arms are folded, but he talks about the conversation he had with his soon-to-be ex-wife. Laura, I don't know if you noticed this, because you're a detective. And he describes that he went to meet with her, and he said, We talked about right here. I think we sat here, where we're sitting right now. I don't remember whether I drank a glass of water or not. Which means he is currently living in the house where that conversation happened, their, their former marital home. Did you notice that detail? I think I did not notice that detail. But now that you're mentioning it, I mean, that's that's interesting because, again, it just... Um, He's he's a complex character to me because, like, in the end, you want to feel sympathy for him when you find out that he's been, like, basically slandered for, like, 25 years. And actually, it was the weirdo with the padded room who, like, buried her in the car thing in the garage. But he doesn't present in the way that makes you have sympathy for him. I mean, we find out he's he's got a girlfriend on the side. They're getting divorced. He's just very concerned about himself and whether they're, like, calling his motorboat a yacht or a, a motorboat yeah, and, that was weird. you know um <laughs> i'm like oh because like a motorboat definitely couldn't cost as much as a yacht uh you know but he was he was a character that i i mean he was interesting to watch but i also felt like i wish i had felt a little more sympathy for him and and in the end the uh the brother-in-law wolfgang does and he says you know this this poor guy like for 25 years basically was you know and people are still speculating about it even though we found the skeleton in the carpet or whatever listen i don't care about their marriage and i don't care that he had a girl i don't care about any of that stuff but i will say it is weird that he's still to this day 
correcting details like it wasn't a yacht it was just a boat like like the fact that he's still doing meanwhile he's sitting in this house that has been completely renovated there's all this expensive art around him (laughs) and he's still just sort of like picking on these little details it's like it's probably like the 80th time he's had these conversations he's like why do these fucking people keep calling it a yacht (laughs) (laughs) it's a motorboat like seriously, it's a it's, it's a, I wasn't even a motorboat. I about. wish, <laughs> Toby. I have a question. So there is this weird German like procedural thing that we learn about, where you can't do an investigation once the suspect has died. So here, this guy Vickman, who was like in the frame for killing Birgit, and like once he's dead, the investigation just has to stop. So that means. They can't get any answers. And the way that I interpreted that was like, first of all, they could stop looking for her body. Um, and also, like, they can't eliminate this guy either, which means that other people can be in the frame in perpetuity, if that makes sense. What did you think about that? Yeah, I couldn't quite figure out exactly what that was, because then, of course, if you did it, but you're not the main suspect, and then the main suspect dies and they just close up the investigation, you're good, right? I mean, it's... It's like, oh, well, I guess I got away with it. Yeah, I didn't quite figure that out. And then even when that was done, like they do, like at the end, I mean, they're digging up Vickman's place, you know, they're you know excavating in his yard and they're tearing apart his house and all this stuff to find other bodies and to find her body. So I wasn't sure, like, if that was the case that you can't investigate it. So I don't, that was never like completely clear to me. And so I guess that's all I can say is it seems weird. And then it didn't seem like it was, it seemed like it kept them from doing certain things, but then it, they were able to do other things that seemed like it would pertain even more to the fact that you would like just search this guy's entire property and dig up this car that he'd buried and stuff. I get the logic that we can't prosecute him. And certainly we see this in the U.S. If you die before your case is adjudicated, you die innocent. Aaron Hernandez, Robert Durst, Jeffrey Epstein. Because you can't get that conviction. But that ought to be separate from a police investigation, which is a different thing altogether. Finding the body, for instance. Right, because there's nobody to go and arrest again, although maybe in this case there could be. But there is still other work to do. And later on, we hear that, you know, a German court agreed that, yeah, please, there are other things to do. Even though the guy died, there is still justice and there is still a, an obligation to do additional work which is to identify victims and recover their remains and maybe put together a list of all the victims that he had because there were certainly a lot of unsolved crimes that you could attribute to him. But to just sort of say, ah, he's dead, we're just not doing anything again, and every time you call us with some lead, we're going to ignore you, I can see where that's frustrating. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. 
All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus. Hmm? You're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. Guys, I think this is a good time to take a break and talk some business. What do you say? Let's do some business. All right, business section. Is the music on? Music's on. I'm okay. starting music now. All right. Look, it's not too late, by the way, for anyone to sign up for the Crime Writers on Newsletter. <laughs> it's never too late. It's like, never too late. Is there like a deadline for that? No, no, no. It's coming out later today. You can still get in on the latest hit, I believe. Just go to crimewriterson.com right at the top of the page. Put in your email address. One of the good things, I mean, by the way, the newsletter kind of is a good roundup of what's going on in the week. You hear stuff from behind the scenes, get to see all the photos of the pet of the week, uh, other stuff like that. And we also have new merch. Are you ready for the new merch? I'm totally ready for the new merch. Oh, boy. It's Lara Bricker themed. Yes. <gasps> it's a t-shirt that says, I learned that at Cat Detective School. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's perfect. You can get that on t-shirts, sweatshirts, skateboards, <laughs> coffee mugs, oh whatever you want. Wow. Okay. Uh, Laura, you also oh have a, uh, a new edition of Leave it to Bricker coming out on Patreon. Tell us about it. I do. Well, um, some people might remember when we had the lady in Exeter at the polls during voting that... Um, took off her top? Or her, took off her top? Yeah. Well, so I've been following up on a lead, um, sort of an urban legend that might or might not be true, doing a deep investigation into boobs on the bar in our Puritan village of Exeter. Hmm. Oh, wait, this and is the second boob-related... This is the second episode, the boobs and wine theme that seems to permeate my life sometimes. Jugs so, and jugs. Uh, boobs on the bar. Yeah. Boobs on the bar. We we should say mm-hmm. that lady who took off her top at the polls in Exeter, she actually made national news. This wasn't like a super local story, right? Oh, like, yeah. This is a no, big this was, story. Yeah. Because you can't I, wear I campaign boobs. paraphernalia inside the... Uh, the, the, voting the voting place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so she was just like, yeah. fuck it, take off my shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that exactly. Yeah. So I don't think boobs on the bar is going to go national, but you never know. Wow. You never do know. Yeah, that's a mouthful. <laughs> the two of those together. Um. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Anything else we going on our Patreon right now? Yeah, we also have the latest edition of Married with Podcasts, yes. where we talk to some different relationship things. Uh, one of them, our good friend Richard, who happens to be an author. I didn't mention that in the Crime Writers on. He is? He is, yeah. Wow. Uh, he had questions about uh, stay, he had problem falling asleep. Not falling asleep, staying asleep. Yes, like me. Yes. By the way, I'll say that the predominant answer, uh, both on the air and from the Facebook group, marijuana. Pat gummies. <laughs> Pod gummies. <laughs> Toby's like, I could do that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Toby's like, it protects great- you from COVID, too, I think. <laughs> yeah. So it's, oh my you're God. all good. One of our wonderful listeners was like, oh, why do people just take melatonin? Everyone's so afraid of it. I'm like, well, when it doesn't work for you, you only have one alternative friend, and that is pot gummies. Yeah, I, I take melatonin. <laughs> melatonin totally works for me. One of my favorite pot gummies also has melatonin in it. I'm sure it does. <laughs> there you go. By the way, Rebecca, you- one of our listeners said, oh, Rebecca, you shouldn't say, I don't do drugs, because you're sending a, a bad signal out there. But also, 
You totally do drugs. Oh no, I do. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I didn't previously. I mean, I don't have anything against people who do drugs, but like, I also completely take pot gummies to go to sleep. They work. They, they do. do, and they're legal. So seriously, no problem. And even if they weren't legal, still no problem. All I right. I don't think so they're Kevin, legal in our state, are they? It's not legal to use them or or have and decriminalize. them. Decriminalize? I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Listen, I can't. You go can to- you can have them in the state. You can have up to five ounces. Correct. Mm-hmm. You just can't purchase them here, but you can purchase them legally like 45 minutes from here. All right, so Kevin, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Jane Harkness and Aaron Pavone. Bless you. Bless you. Does that end the business section, Kevin? Yes, that ends the business section. So, Lara, I'm going to throw something out at you, a scenario. Let's say you're married. Let's say your spouse has a hidden room of mystery with a padlock on the outside that you are never allowed to enter or ask about. (laughs) What are your feelings about the hidden room of mystery that you are never allowed to enter or ask about? And then what are your feelings when that room is entered and there are perhaps, I don't know, Evidence of some fucked up shit in that room. <laughs> Inside there was a converted revolver, a load of ammunition, as well as bondage equipment, handcuffs, chains, silencers, knives, and a so-called shooting vest, which in my view was very, very suspicious. Do you nonchalant about it? Are you just like, do you run? Like, what are your thoughts there? So, Rebecca, it's funny you asked this question because, number one, I would investigate. And I have a little story for this, um, as I often do. There was a time that I had to make an abrupt uh, move in my, like, 20s. And I moved into a basement uh, sort of apartment. Of, yes. Uh, we heard landlord. the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave me a tour of his house and he said, you can't go in that room. It's the kids call it Grampy's Vault. And I was like, what the fuck is in there? <laughs> so, of course, when he was off at work, I went and investigated. And I had all did. my friends come. 100%. And I brought all my friends over. And I was like, let's look for hidden cameras. Let's see what we can hear and look in Grampy's Vault. And originally, and then and, and eventually that guy just fessed up and was like, oh, I keep my porn in there. So my grandkids. Do. And I'm like, that's also really disturbing that you have a whole room of porn. An but, entire um, bat cave of porn. Oh, I lift up the head on a bust and flick a switch, and a and a bookcase spins around, and that's where my porn is. <laughs> and a disco ball. A disco do, ball do, on a do, pole. Do, I slide do, down. Do, 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 do. That's a button on the way, and I change foof immediately into a bathrobe. Oh my god, you guys should see my bathrobe. But anyway, but then another time <laughs> um, when I was like a brand new reporter at the newspaper, we had this um, crazy principal in one of our towns. And this was in like the late 90s when apparently this was like, okay, until this person got caught. They had a padded room where they sent students that were in trouble. Oh my god. Oh, that seems hmm. normal. Uh, oh, Kevin, totally. what do you think about the spouse having a hidden room? Look, if you have a room with a padlock and that's not where you keep Christmas presents, <laughs> then you need to get the fuck out. <laughs> but look, my question is, remember, uh, Vickman died in prison. His widow passed away, I think it was 2006. Uh-huh. She got remarried. So her husband inherited the house. When she died. When she died, yeah. right. So why is his widow's new husband 
still have a room in the house filled with violent porn, weapons, and Nazi memorabilia. <laughs> it's like, I didn't really go in there. You can go look around. That's fine. By the way, it's like, buddy, you know that like when you die, people are going to think that's all your shit, yeah. right? When they come and dig it out. But if they think, by the way, if they think that nobody has really been in there and disturbed much of it, but they also believe that victims, plural, may have been taken there, why don't they just like rip up all the carpet and swab everything for DNA? Yeah. It's not like a million people have traipsed through there in the past 30 years. Yeah. You know what they don't, don't mention, know. which is true? What? Like Nazi memorabilia is illegal in Germany. It is. It's yeah, a whole yeah. other thing that they, like a whole other storyline they just drop. Like like the fact that he even has like Nazi shit in there, like that's also like not something you're supposed to have in Germany. Like this guy is fucked up on like 8 million levels. Oh, well, we see that from his childhood. Oh, yeah. His oh, very my violent God. Childhood. The yeah. childhood. Jesus Christ. So, Toby, let's compare this to the podcast we talked about earlier this week where we had a psychologist just sort of like randomly assessing whether or not somebody was like a serial killer or not. Right. Here we have in this TV show a psychologist and also like, you know, medical and state records pointing to a child with a very upsetting upbringing who was in recorded documents killing animals doing fires, all that stuff. But then also as a child, stalking his neighbors, going inside a neighbor's house and putting his hands around her throat and like threatening her baby. Is this not the most like horror movie thing? I I don't know. I found that to be an incredibly chilling sequence in this documentary. And I even though I know that Vickman was also the product of abuse and neglect, I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is the most children of the corn scary thing I've seen in a documentary in a long time. Yeah, in some ways I thought that was the most interesting part. Like he's sort of the classic victim slash perpetrator in that, you know, his victimization as a child, like this incredibly abusive upbringing and, you know, translates into sadism. And in this particular case where he basically staked out this house, found out when the when the husband would leave. And then it wasn't like he just like kind of walked in. He had a glass cutter and cut a hole in the glass so he could open this window, crawl in the window, and then got on top of this woman and started strangling her. And her baby woke up and started crying or whatever. And she says she thinks that's what saved her life. So I, I guess he was on people's radar. But I, I don't know if it was continuity of services or whatever, but somehow he dropped off the radar and that that clearly was a mistake. Yeah. I mean, he did and he didn't because Lara, he was also placing all these nutty personal ads through all of his like <laughs> young adult life. You sent me a note yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, I have to say when I heard the personal ad, I was like, what the fuck? It's like, hey, I'm looking for group sex, going to clubs. More group sex, long term might be okay. And then the lady that responded, I'm like, I number one, I, I can't believe she actually went in the show and admitted she responded to this ad. But the, <laughs> I'm like, first, she's lucky she's alive, and second, is this a personal ad or is he like a cowboy? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, was he actually I think he like did both? I think he definitely was he did like both. an yeah. escort, basically. Yeah. And was that an entree into his killing? Was was he? just pretending to be one of this so he could get close to a victim. Exactly. I will say when it sort of was revealed that he was probably the murderer of those couples in the woods, Mm -hmm. weren't you wondering at the beginning, like how does somebody kill a couple? Like I was, I was like, first of all, why are those couples in the woods in their car? And second of all, how does somebody murder a couple? Right. 
But when you when you look at the personals ads, by the way, can we please talk about that metal detector hobbyist dude? That like citizen detective dude? <laughs> How did I get the idea to check for listings placed by Vickman in a personal ads magazine? Well, I had certain information from the start, like the fact that he was said to have had many romantic relationships and that he might have been a callboy. That metal detector hobbyist dude who's like, just like, boop, 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 boop. And he's like, he's the one who sort of puts together the fact that there might be personal ads. When he finds those ads where it's somebody luring couples for potential like unicorn, meaningless sex, it makes He's not the unicorn, total though, really. sense, though, right? About why these bored couples would go to the forest and then end up being murdered. It does not make total sense. Yeah, but he also, with a with a firearm, you can control two people. I, you know, there's a lot of different ways, but yes. But it's why they would that, be there. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why they might have been lured to the woods okay. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I want to talk about, and this is superfluous and stupid, but I couldn't stop nice. thinking about it, right? <laughs> so, Toby, at the beginning of this documentary... First of all, I couldn't stop thinking of Dark and the fact that all of these all these places look just like Vinden, the yep. setting of, of Dark. Second, there was so much like charm and like, um, you know, there all was, the towns looked like the town from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate, Chocolate Factory. Factory yes. And there were all these like archival interviews where they would talk to somebody during the archival tape of the killings in the forest. They were interviewing somebody, the interview reporter, like through their charming through little the window. window with like a flower <laughs> box in front of them. And then there was like all this archival footage of Vickman wearing his like later hosen yes. in the woods. And I'm like, are we watching a Wes Anderson serial killer film? Did you notice that just like. He lived in a gingerbread house. Between that and the present day investigators going up and down on those elevators. The elevators was <laughs> awesome. I couldn't believe they were getting these guys to do that. <laughs> like these like career bureaucrats to like go up and down on these elevators for this <laughs> weird documentary. Did you were you trying to imagine what that conversation was like? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, yeah, man, look, just just humor us. Wolfgang, you know? you Wolfgang go up to really the third wants floor. this. Wolfgang really you wants this. You went on the this. first floor. When I say you hit, you hit up and you hit down, and you're going to pass <laughs> yeah. each other at very low speed. Just keep, just use your eyes, find the lens, find the lens. <laughs> right. And they all just look like, I mean, they, they're not like, they're just doing it. Yeah, they just have this look on their face like, well, here I go. Um, I can just imagine that just uh, the theme from Sanford and Son, I think would be the perfect musical accompaniment. <laughs> just people going up and down on the uh, the elevator it's so weird um but anyways you should see pictures of me in 1974 when we lived in dusseldorf it, it is it is quite uh it's quite something wait is that did we know that that's got to go in the newsletter you send tim a picture immediately oh my god i can't you wait contact to this... mrs ball have her take a picture with her phone I and send it I've, to you immediately i've got a bunch of pictures here hold on Oh my God, this is going to make my whole entire year right now. He's going to look like an eight-year-old going to Oktoberfest. I can't wait. No, this is my fit. This is, I love this picture. It's like when I had it all figured out. That's oh, not, damn. that's oh, not Holy shit. That picture is going in the goddamn newsletter. No, there's more. There's more. There's wait, more? there's more. There's got to be more. This is scintillating podcasting, by this the way. This is, uh, 
I, I don't think this is Germany either, Black but it's a good luck too. Do you have a helmet on? Yeah. Like a motorcycle ah! on? You're like six years old with Kevin, a motorcycle you know how we need armor? art for our house? Yeah. Let's get Toby to send us those pictures. We'll scan them and blow them up huge <laughs> for our house. <laughs> also, I like that Toby just had all these just like sitting next to my, his desk. My, my, like, par- oh, my parents gave me this whole like stash. Here's my Germany photos. L- Toby. L- like this hat. Young Jesus Oh, Christ. nice. <laughs> you, look like, you look like the scarecrow you from look- the Wizard of Oz. This is Germany era. <laughs> You look like it's young. Like you came from Burger King. You look like hell? young Michael Peterson <laughs> about to push your neighbor down the stairs. German Burger King. <laughs> We're from the Burgermeister Meister Burger. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to. I'll see if I can find a specific one from Definitely Germany. Definitely send some from the newsletter. All right. So, Toby, just one more visual. Yeah. They also made that psychologist let another guy walk down those Escher staircases like 17 that, times. I That was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, my God, it's like an Escher house. It's the uh, archive, man. Yeah. It, it's that archive. Was it just pretending to be the archive? And it's like, it why would you make an archive, archive like that? It's, it's so weird. Because yeah. archives have to be scary as fuck. Yeah. So, Laura, were you like me wondering why Birgit's daughter's face was in blurry shadow when we kept seeing photographs of her and other points in the documentary? Yes. Actually, when I first was watching this, I was like, God, I, I like had a few glasses of wine. I'm like, oh, my God. And I had just had to get readers at the Walmart recently because I couldn't read fine print. And I'm like, what is going on here? But it was it was like trippy or something like her face was in the face with the silhouette. You know, it reminded me of. Um, do you guys remember when you were like in like school and that you would have to pick which school yes. photo you wanted? <laughs> and for a period of time, they had that like portrait silhouette one. And I'm like, oh, it's like portrait silhouette and school photo. Two photos and went one. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, I guess I didn't really understand the purpose of it in this documentary. Except every time she came on, I go, oh, here comes Trippy Lady again. All right. Too bad, uh, you know, we're not in the last podcast where Danny had a bad acid trip because that might be what's happening here. The other thing I was really surprised by was the apparently very common thing in Germany that people have repair pits for their cars in their garage. That seems like a thing that's common. Is that something like a jiffy loop? Yeah, is that something that you knew, Toby? <laughs> that like, because like, like one of the cops was like, I was surprised to see that his repair pit was only forty centimeters deep, and I'm right. like, I was fucking surprised that he had a repair pit in his garage. <laughs> yeah, I, I was looking at that. I was like, there's no way I would get down there because I'd just be worried that somebody would prank me and just walk away with the car parked over me, and I wouldn't be able to get out. Uh, which is like a nightmare. That is how one does it, though, right? The car goes over the... Right, but you hope that the person pulls it back when you're done instead of, like, (laughs) goes off and has a sandwich while you get claustrophobic. Um, It it seemed like a very culturally specific piece of detective work where Mm -hmm. it's like, usually these are a little bit deeper, and that's, like, literally how they cracked it, you know? So, Kevin, there is something that kind of happens near the end. Mm Mm-hmm that I think we agree is kind of a bombshell, an unexplored bombshell. So Vickman did it. You know, they find Birgit's body in his car repair pit. And there is this incredible scene where this, uh, you know, forensic anthropologist is like digging up the bones. And by the way, she is super psyched when she finds that skeleton. Hey, that's her job. The joy with which she's even remembering finding that skeleton is just like unbelievable. Like she still has this huge smile Never seen on her a face. German that happy about anything. <laughs> um, so she finds the skeleton. We know Vickman did it. And we know that Vickman like looks like he also committed these forest murders in the the charming Hansel and Gretel forest of the Wes Anderson movie. But then they sort of slip in incredibly casually that he likely had an accomplice 
And the cops know who that accomplice is. For us, that means we have to watch him even more closely now and keep an eye out for any clues that might point to him until we reach the point where he can be convicted, even without a confession that he was an accomplice or an accessory. Someone that they've questioned, someone they suspect, and someone that they can't arrest. Thoughts? Okay, not completely unheard of in cases like this, but as far as the documentary goes, I wish they had kind of signposted that because it it is a big development and it just didn't get the exclamation point that it deserved. It just kind of like sneaked into a, a bunch of other discussion with that detective. I do believe from what they have said that the accomplice they suspect is the brother. I agree. Because the brother was the only one that was also allowed in the secret room of Nazi torture implements. Mm. And I guess they are in a very soft way asking people to come forward and give them information about that. But as far as the documentary goes, we were certainly focused a long time on who Vickman was, what he did, and where uh, Birgit is. You know, when they talked about an accomplice, I thought at first they were just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall. Maybe there was somebody else because you don't know whatever else happened. But I think it's more than just a gut feeling to them that somebody else helped him. I don't know where that is as far as an investigative uh, matter. But I thought as for the documentary, I think they could have taken a beat to signal that this was an important piece of information. So, Toby, you sent me a note just about this documentary just kind of being a look at cops. What did you mean by that? Well, I, you know, I think besides the part where they're looking into Wickman's life, it's really about like a sort of smaller town police department that messes up an investigation. And then a guy from a huge police department coming in and sort of rounding up this like dream team of retired people with different pieces of expertise, like a lawyer and a psychologist and a, you know, a detective and, or whatever else and reinvestigating it. And they're just, you know, they seem more worldly, seem more competent. And in some ways, I don't know. I mean, I thought that was kind of one of the interesting aspects of it was these people kind of coming together to support Wolfgang's search for what happened to his sister And not too surprisingly, the police department in that town, even though this was like decades ago, still are not like super welcoming of this happening. Like they kind of cooperate to an extent and then they sort of have to cooperate to a little greater extent. But it's, you know, it's definitely grudging. I thought that was sort of an interesting, I I assume that's why they even made the thing was because it's like that. What was that movie where like Clint Eastwood and some old other old cowboys go and blow a meteor that's going to hit Earth? Am I Space Cowboys? Space Cowboys? I don't know. It's like I that think same you might kind be of thing. Also it's thinking like, of Armageddon. But... Armageddon, like, yeah. Like getting like the dream team of like old people to like figure something out. Oh yeah, totally. I love the dream team of the old people. Yeah, Space Cowboys. I think was the one you're thinking right. of. I didn't see it, but I I. Uh, yeah, I didn't was think aware you it saw it. I never thought I for a second that, you saw it. You're still, we're still waiting like on Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> the day that Toby sees any movie. It's like, I saw the commercial. Yes. <laughs> I put it all together from the commercial. 
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the neighborhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. All right. Well, I think we should do what we do. Let's let our listeners know. Should people check out the Netflix import from Germany, the documentary Dig Deeper, The Disappearance of Birgit Meyer? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this documentary? I'm going thumb sideways on this. So for me, I think that the actual pace of this was a little bit slow. And I ended up going back and forth between subtitles and non-subtitles and dubbed and not whatever, trying to figure out what was the best way to watch this documentary. I think if you are somebody that wants to hear everything about a case from beginning to end, this is an interesting case. I just, I didn't love some of the storytelling in this and I felt like it kind of dragged at times, but the thing that overcomes all of that and why this is like kind of like a thumb sideways, mild thumbs up is because the story of this brother Wolfgang and his like nearly 30 year never ending search for his sister's body and assembling like his own team of investigators is so amazing that for me that does sort of overcome like some of the deficiencies in the storytelling and the things I didn't like. There's one part where I'm thinking if this isn't going to be a conclusion to something in the story, I'm going to go jump off a bridge because this poor guy has been at this for like almost 30 years. And you really feel what it was like for him to pursue this case. So, you know, it was interesting. I just, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, it's mild thumbs up. Wait, Tell whoa, whoa, stop. You said sideways. You just said mild thumbs up. What's it going to be? I'm going to go thumbs, mild thumbs up. Oh, so you're changing your, you're Talk changing yourself it, into it. It's okay. She talked herself into from a sideways to a mild thumbs up. Oh, I'm impressed. I'm taking my pen. I got to scribble off my yeah. notepad here that's sideways. That's the first time that's happened. No, I like it. Toby Ball, what about you? Uh, like, I could not be more thumb sideways. Like, nice. It was we'll like talk the, about it long enough. You'll get one way or yeah, the other. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So thumbs down. No, um, it, <laughs> you know, it's just like for everything that was like good about it, there was something else that was sort of frustrating about it. And then the the final episode, it was a slog, man. I I could not believe how slow that was. But you know, some some of it's good. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't suck. It's well put together. Parts of the story are very interesting, 
and they they certainly you know they've got great people talking in german and <laughs> in german <laughs> and uh yeah so it's yeah it's a thumb sideways i mean it's fine kevin flynn i'm going mild thumbs up I thought this was uh, okay. It's another one of Netflix's stops on the It's a Small World of True Crime After All. Uh, we have the German one. We go along with our French and our Korean and all of uh, our South American, all these other ones that we've had. I think the story in itself is kind of interesting. It wasn't like a super wow. There were kind of like a few oh shit moments about the actual case and, and where it went. Uh, I really like the character of the brother, the former police detective. Wolfgang. 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 Uh, Yeah, so like the visuals of the experts going up and down on elevators with no protective doors on them was kind of weird, but all in all, I think if you're looking for something that you have to read but not think a lot about, then Dig Deeper's for you. Uh, I'm going to do Laura Bricker. If you are the kind of person... Who likes something that's much longer than it has to be? Are you? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to give this a mild thumbs up. If this were one like 90-minute thing and it had been way telescoped, it could have been fan-freaking-tastic. There were some fantastic parts to this. And then in between, there was just a lot of exposition that didn't need to be there. Like, it's not bad is what we're all no, saying. No, it's good. Not bad. It, yeah. it could have been great. But there was just, it took way too long to get to some, some of the meat. Like, we get it. The police here suck. These police are great. Uh, this got botched. Oh, my God, that room. We could have gotten to, like, the real room search way fast. Like, everything just took, like, too long. You know what I mean? Let's assemble the dream team, but then let's take, like, an hour to have the dream team talk about what they're good at. Like, let's just condense it to a solid like 90 to 105 minute like movie. It could mm. have been amazing and super baller. That uh, that being said, it wasn't that. It was a three part thing, a little bit lugubrious. So I just got to give it a mild thumbs up instead of the strong thumbs up it could have been. So mild thumbs up for me for Dig Deeper. Uh, I wish that I could give it a strong thumbs up. But if you're the kind of person... Who likes things to be out longer than they should be? You'll love it. Mild thumbs up. Good for job, me. Rebecca. Thanks, Laura. I learned them from the best. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? Um, we have our dog of the week for a second uh, week in a row. That's how it's supposed to be. This dog um, was nominated multiple times by our friend Alyssa Dosman. She says, Ranger would be the perfect cat of the week. He's the best rescue. It took me a year and a half to catch him. What? I know. He looks like some sort of a little beagle hound kind of dog. So I have pictures of uh, Ranger with his friend Sophie, another dog at the beach. Again, uh, Alyssa wants me to know that Mississippi also has some wonderful things aside from the horrible, wrongful conviction of Curtis Flowers. But I think my favorite thing and what tipped me over the edge is that now there is a black cat that lives at her house named Jon Snow. And ah. Jon Snow took over half of Ranger the dog's bed and Ranger apparently just went to sleep and ignored it. So he looks like a pretty cool dog. And I loved all the photos that Alyssa sent in. So Ranger is the cat of the week hey, this week. Hey, Kevin, isn't Alyssa the proprietor of the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi? I was just going to say there's a lot of animal action going on at the, at the uh, yoga loft. And if folks need to know that, that's the name that you hear in our credits. Alyssa has been 
our one tier, number one tier premier sponsor on Patreon for like a couple of years yeah. now, the right? The Loft is a real place if you're down in Bay St. Louis. And we've actually had people visit and go by I, and say, hey, there's oh, a bodega. super one handsome pilot dude. Yeah. Remember he no, went that time? I went to a virtual yoga class there during That's the true. early days of the pandemic. So if, yeah. you, if you look at our Patreon, you will see at what level Alyssa has been sponsoring us for a really long time so that she could have the naming rights to her studio. Thank you so much, Alyssa. And I'm so glad that you were able to have the honorific of having your animal be our cat. For months she's been going, for fuck's sake, pick my dog. (laughs) All right, Lara Bricker, if folks who even don't sponsor us want to submit their animals to be Cat of the Week, of course, you can email them to us at crimewriterson at gmail.com. You can uh, post them on Facebook. But say they want to tweet them to you. How would they get them to you there? They would find me at Lara Bricker on Twitter. And Toby Ball, if folks want to entreat you to see photos of young Toby Ball wearing later hosen, how can they find you on Twitter? At Toby Ball NH. And Kevin Flynn, if folks want to say to you, hey, how can they find you on Twitter? Hey, I'm at twitter.com slash <laughs> Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. By the way, you can check out fellow podcaster Mandy Matney on a recent episode of 2020 talking about that Murdoch murders case. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and you should join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to Facebook, look for our regular Crime Writers On Facebook page, and then click Join the Group. We'll let you in as long as you answer even one question. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get four extra podcasts there, plus the 200 plus extra episodes we've got going on. Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast, Lara Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredibly handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is the love of my life, Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, where we also have a weird double elevator with no doors so we can dramatically pass each other to get into our New Hampshire basement. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Hosen. Oh. Now you look like you're in a sauna. You're like, we're what? But that, <laughs> that angle made it look like you guys were in a sauna. Yeah. I, I was in a sauna. It does kind of look like a sauna. Like a sauna. Yeah. We're, like, like, we're like we're in that Fiona Apple video where she's all like high eight, you know, like criminal video. Oh, yeah. It does look like uh, it's, someone's got the hot water I don't water feel like running. that's something you should joke about, Rebecca, after listening to the uh, 60 songs that I explain know. the 90s and the uh, I know. super creepy bullshit that she had to put up with. Welcomes you to the neighborhood. 
our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waverhood, she said, where Wafer helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home.